Well, we are in the second week of a series on Hebrews 11 and 12 called By Faith, where we are looking at these chapters where the writer of Hebrews in, in his sermon is doing kind of a quick run through of biblical history and the stories of faith, the great faithful ones of the Bible and these stories of faithfulness of those who have gone before us. Essentially what they all demonstrate is a willingness to know and to be known by God. Faith is about more than, as we talked about last week, more than believing harder or believing better, i.e. believing the right things. Faith is about faithfulness. Faith at its bottom line is about relationship with God and, and the way that that relationship with God also fosters relationship with one another. And so today we're looking at the story of Abraham that comes next in this list of great faithful ones. And we're going to look at a, verses 8 through 22 in, in chapter 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith... He stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised." Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of the heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, God has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was put to the test, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promise was ready to offer up his only son, of whom he had been told, it is through Isaac that descendants shall be named for you. He considered the fact that God is able even to raise someone from the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked blessings for the future on Jacob and Esau. By faith... Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave instruction about his burial. Let's pray. Lord, help us to relax into and take up the invitation that you put before us every day and always, and that is that invitation to relationship, covenant relationship with yourself. Help us to relax into that journey 
and discover what you have for us along the way. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So on Thursday of this past week, our guide dog puppy, Wailea, climbed on a plane with one of the other members of our club and two other dogs and two other members of the guide dog puppy raising club and headed for San Francisco. She was approved for air travel, which is a big feather in our cap as puppy raisers. Uh, But they were headed to San Francisco to attend the annual gala for guide dogs for the blind to the Ritz-Carlton in San Francisco. So our dog didn't dine at that table, but got to be at, um, got to be at this event. And uh, we, we got a picture of her this morning with a string of white pearls around her black neck. So that was uh, pretty fun to see. But we've been getting pictures all these past few days of Wailea in various places in San Francisco, Wailea on the the plane, Wailea on BART, Wailea on a cable car, Um, Wailea standing with the Transamerica Tower in the background, just a, a regular travel log of a trip to the city, and Wailea also at the headquarters for Guide Dogs for the Blind, sitting patiently in front of the sign as she could, having her picture taken while uh, the guide dog's headquarters in San Rafael, which is uh, just north of San Francisco. But it's Wailea's journey that we've been watching on these various pictures that are coming through to us. And it's gotten me thinking about road trips. It's gotten me thinking about travel and what happens when we, we travel. The destination very often, the reason for the trip, the place that we're going or the reason that we're going there is often not the most memorable part of the trip. People we encounter in places we pass through and the colleagues or loved ones with whom we travel and engagement of those folks is often the more memorable part of a road trip. The experience of coming and going The road trip itself, the journey, as we look back on it, becomes the point rather than the destination. And the Bible, in many ways, is a collection of stories of road trips. It's a collection of stories about migrations, moving toward a particular destination, how those journeys become pilgrimages. They paint the picture of striving to get to somewhere and often not arriving at the place that you've set out to get, but something important happens along the way or in the midst of the journey to and from that place. And the writer of Hebrews very much picks up on this theme as he gives a very short version of one of the first great migrations in the Bible, one of the first great road trips in the Bible, the story of Abraham. The road trip taken by Abraham when God calls him to go to a place that he will show him. Just leave Ur. That's the only thing you need to do. Leave the land of Ur and go to the place that I will show you. And and you will have, you old man who is long past child rearing or child conceiving, and you old woman who is also long past child raising and child bearing, will be the mother and father of descendants too innumerable to count. Ha ha. (laughs) And that's what they did. They laughed. 
when they heard that. And yet that's the story as it is told when suddenly children do come along and suddenly they find themselves as sojourners in a land that is not theirs that is promised to them. And the only way thing that Abraham really walks away from in this whole venture is a cave in which to be buried. And so he never quite gets what God promises him. He does indeed have those children and those children have children and their descendants indeed become numerous. But he takes that invitation to go to the land that God would show him and walk in this direction and I'll let you know when you get there. And once there, finds out it wasn't quite yet going to be his land, but would belong to his descendants when he never thought he could ever even have those descendants. So that first road trip that the writer of Hebrews talks about is the road trip of of Abraham, and that road trip takes him off to Egypt, and it takes him in a variety of places, but virtually he remains a nomad his entire life. And then he talks about another road trip, a much shorter one that Abraham takes, one of the, the most difficult stories in the Bible to understand, the story of Abraham and Isaac, and Abraham responding to what he believes is the call of God to take his son Isaac, this promise of the one that would be born, that would be the father of, of nations, so to speak, take him up the hill and kill him. Show me how much you love me by giving your firstborn for me. That's what Abraham hears. It's a, a message that would have been quite mundane, actually, in, in his day because child sacrifice was not an unusual thing for most of the cultures, that the way you proved your devotion to the gods was to give one of your children to the gods. Child sacrifice was a big part of a lot of pagan worship at that time. So for Abraham to hear this message would be a, a message very much congruent with the culture of the day. We, of course, are aghast at hearing that, and it's an awful story. But then we know the rest of the story as they make their way up this mountain, and Isaac asks, where's the ram? Good question, young man, good question. <laughs> Where is the ram that we will also sacrifice on this, this burning bundle of sticks that we're carrying up with us? And Abraham says, God will provide. And then something stops Abraham's hand as he is ready to follow through with this. And he hears the voice say to him, no, don't do this. They find the ram caught in the thicket. You know the story. We all heard it in Sunday school. What makes us think these are children's stories? <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> but God has provided and, and Isaac is saved. But the best depiction of this story that I've ever heard was one that I heard in a sermon that Earl Palmer gave once where he said the moment that Abraham stays his hand and refuses because he's told not to plunge the knife in when he refrains from killing his son the phrase that was given to that was this was a radical redefinition of Abraham's faith it was the, the sense that no I don't need this from you I don't need your firstborn to prove your devotion to me. It was a move toward grace and interactive relationship in a way that wasn't just about 
the underling convincing the overlord that he shouldn't be destroyed. A radical redefinition of Abraham's faith took place on this journey and probably propelled the rest of the journey in some way that allowed him to deal with the unfulfillment of it all and not seeing the place to which God was ultimately going to deliver his people. Often what happens on biblical road trips is that that destination ends up not being the point of the story. As the writer tells us in talking about the patriarchs and talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, these four generations, he concludes all of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance saw and greeted them. All of these were people who knew what it meant to strive without arriving, but to continue to, as Paul says in our opening text for this morning, press on. And they're compelled by a vision of a better country that has been prepared for them, that has been reserved for them. And so they press on. And what they gained and grew into along the way was nothing short of a deeper relationship with God. Therefore, as the writer says, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. The point of the journey is not merely about arrival at the promised destination. The point of the story is not merely about their faith and how strong or how weak it was. The point of the story is relationship. Relationship with the one who encountered them, the one who created them for relationship with himself, the one who is not ashamed to be called their God. The writer of Hebrews begins his sermon with, in many and various ways, God spoke to us through our ancestors of old, by the prophets. But in these latter days, he has spoken to us by a son. And it's interesting to contemplate what that son's first invitation is to his disciples. We have it posted right here. Come and see. Follow me. Come be a part of the journey. Let's take a road trip. I want to show you something. The point is walking with me. And that's where you'll find out what the most important things are. You'll find out about that city which we were meant to occupy, that city that seems to have no walls as you walk along this road. Because as we explore it, that city just keeps getting bigger. Because that city is the heart of God. It's defined by the boundless depth and length and height and breadth of God's love. 
And that love is something that we will never fully comprehend, but will always be growing in our comprehension of. And that love is something we learn that God will never withdraw from us. That love is something from which we will never be separated. Let's pray. Lord, empower us to move toward the destination that we will never fully explore, but always be exploring. Empower us to draw near to that place for which you made us, that place which is in your heart. Empower us to rest in the love that has no bounds. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.